Hello, we the people. This is Carmela Silliberti. Thank you for joining me. In the last episode, we discussed David Cunningham, Democrat candidate running for representative in the 13th District. In this episode, we will turn our attention to the incumbent, John Lawrence. Now, you might be thinking, who cares? I don't live in your district and I can't vote for either of them. While this is true for many of you listening, my hope is to demonstrate to you another way of evaluating political candidates, a way that goes beyond a candidate's talking points and gets at the character of an individual. It is a candidate's character that will drive their decision-making when faced with issues not yet contemplated. Think of, God forbid, the next COVID or World War. How are these individuals going to perform in these crises? Well, knowing their basis, the foundation from which they make their decision-making, will help to predict some of that. John Lawrence is a master at putting very little in written or recorded spoken word. However, I did find a video of his recent commencement address at the PA Leadership Charter School high school graduation. Now, spoiler alert, unlike David Cunningham, John is not a cult leader and he did not say anything horrific to these high school students. Even though John's worldview is not as skewed as David's, it is still worth exploring. As I mentioned in the last episode, a person's worldview informs everything about them and it is therefore very difficult to conceal. John's commencement address doesn't disappoint. We can learn something of his character even in the short speech. As John was speaking to a high school focused on leadership, he logically made leadership the topic of his address. He mentioned various leaders throughout his speech, from Jesus Christ to Eisenhower to Yoda. What is evident throughout John's speech is that he only focuses on the nice half of what it means to be a leader, the easy parts. Here is a clip of John summarizing what it means to be a leader. Make the choice to walk humbly. Make the choice to work hard. Make the choice to serve others. Make the choice to leave a positive legacy. Choose a good team. Make the choice to lead. On the surface, this sounds fine, but is it? Cannot each of these seemingly positive traits be used for evil? They most certainly can if a person isn't standing in the truth. Have you ever known someone who feigns humility? And what if working hard? Couldn't it be said that Hitler and Stalin worked hard? Cannot service to others be done for purely selfish purposes? And without truth, what defines a positive legacy? I am certain Putin thinks Stalin left a most positive legacy. President Xi probably thinks the team he's assembled around him is also very good. And there is no doubt that Hitler, Stalin, Putin, and Xi all made the choice to lead. Again, as I said a moment before, He is only giving half the leadership equation, the easy part, the nice half. Unfortunately, this feel-good leadership model leaves out the most important part, a person's character. Why? Because developing and maintaining good character is hard and often comes at great personal cost. Now, you might be thinking I'm looking too deep into John's words, and perhaps I am. But when he says things like this, one wonders. Leading by example and serving others will win you friends and admiration. Leadership in service doesn't seek to win friends and admiration. Real servant leaders never take this into account. Rather, real servant leaders stand in the truth come what may. They are courageous in defending the truth. Real servant leaders have fortitude, a strength of spirit to stand in the truth when all appears to be lost. 
because they know they answer to a higher power. They take care when serving others, ensuring that their service neither enables nor coerces. The only reward they seek is that of being able to look at themselves in the mirror. So I ask you, could John's simple speech provide insight into his character? Could it be that John is more preoccupied with winning friends and admiration than he is in defending the truth? Could this be the reason why he provides so few policy positions? And the few policy positions he does articulate are innocuous, a bit like vanilla jello pudding? Why hasn't he ever come out and said straight away, parents should have the option of school choice? And I'm talking real school choice, not this, well, we have six different flavors of public-funded, public-controlled education. No, no, I'm talking about tax dollars following the children. See if you can get John to ever say that. He won't. See if you can get John to say there are two genders and that women should be allowed to compete with genetic women, period, full stop. He won't, because this flies in the face of him trying to make friends and have admiration. In this podcast, I will not bother to go into John's voting record, which contradicts what he claims to stand for on his candidate website. The information is still on my website if you're interested. Uh, Besides, John sent you a mailer this spring where he said I was a liar, so you shouldn't really be listening to me anyway. If you recall, though, he never refuted a single thing I said. It's just pathetic. What a leader. Unfortunately, our district will have to decide between the lesser of these two evils to represent us in Harrisburg. John or David will be one of 203 representatives voting on legislation in our state capital. This means the rest of the Commonwealth will get to suffer along with us. As I oppose John in the primary, people ask who I will be voting for this fall. Will I vote for John even though he isn't fighting for our freedoms? What about Oz and Shiraki, Mastriano? I will tell you outright, the Republican candidates that I voted for in the primary didn't win. Sadly, the fall election is not so much about picking the best person. Now we are down to picking the best party. And in the state of Pennsylvania, we currently only have two viable political parties, Republican and Democrat. Therefore, I will be voting straight Republican this fall. Look, while I'm a registered Republican, the party is not my identity. We are not Democrats and Republicans. Rather, we are we the people first, and our identity is found in our principles and character. I am not voting Republican because I believe the entire party is more to the principles of liberty. Many have demonstrated that they simply are not, but at least they are a good bit closer to the peer than the Democrat Party, which is far out to sea. In the race for United States Senator, we know how John Fetterman will vote. God only knows how Oz will perform, but I would rather take an unknown than a known Marxist lunatic. Plus, there is the issue of party line voting. No way do I want to give the current Democrat Party another seat in the U.S. Senate. The same argument goes for our representative in the U.S. House. We know exactly how Houlihan will vote. We know she will toe the party line. Based on his past performance in our community, Shiraki will definitely be better than Houlihan. Again, the current Democrat Party must not be allowed to maintain the majority, and therefore, I will be voting for Guy. And with the gubernatorial race, we know how Shapiro will operate. I am not in awe with Mastriano's short voting history in our Senate, specifically his voting for Act 77, which destroyed our election system in Pennsylvania. And no, the excuses he made for his vote don't hold water. However, if Mastriano does just 10% of what he promises toward the freedom agenda, it will be 100% more than what we will see out of Shapiro. 
This leaves us with the state rep race here in the 13th district between David Cunningham and John Lawrence. We know John's less than stellar voting record. However, David Cunningham is another party line towing leftist. While John Lawrence is more of a 1950s Democrat than a constitutional conservative, I would rather have him than another extreme leftist Democrat in our state house. We must hold the majority. These candidates may not be the most inspiring, but we the people take heart. We did not get here overnight, and it is going to take time to reestablish the freedom agenda. Just keep participating. At a minimum, make a commitment to be an informed voter in both elections every year. That means you must get out in the spring for the primary in addition to participating in the fall. Then, should your season and life allow, you can level up as a voter by something as simple as displaying a yard sign to acting as neighborhood captain for lit drops. Perhaps you can then up your game and actually speak to your neighbors as you drop off literature. These actions would form a great foundation from which you could then run for your political party's committee. Or you could run for a local government office starting with township supervisor or school board. Then there are the statewide offices of state rep or state senator. Back to the political party committee. If you don't know what a committee person does or how important their role is, look up the precinct strategy. That's precinctstrategy.com by Dan Schultz. I will be covering this topic in a future episode as well. So I say again, be encouraged. We Americans stand in the truth and the truth always prevails. And what is that truth? That we are all created equal and endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights that among these rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Government is instituted by we the people to secure these rights. You have probably heard the theory that great human civilizations last about 200 years as they pass through stages, from bondage to spiritual faith, from spiritual faith to great courage, from courage to liberty, from liberty to abundance, from abundance to selfishness, from selfishness to apathy, from apathy to dependence, and from dependence back into bondage. Does this mean that America is lost? Certainly not. The theory is simply wrong in suggesting that this cycle occurs at a consistent national level. Just look at our history. For more than 400 years, people have traveled to our land to live in the truth. When we review that history, we see that, yes, the light of truth in America dimmed from time to time, but the truth was restored, not only restored, but burned brighter than before. Again, as I said, the theory is flawed. Nations don't go through this cycle. Rather, it occurs within each citizen. Every individual grapples with this cycle because it is the human condition. This cycle doesn't occur all at once for a nation. It is staggered over individual lifetimes. Further, not everyone will repeat the cycle. Yes, some will remain stuck, but others will, with varying degrees of success, break the cycle. I say with varying degrees, as none of us will approach perfection, we all will have times of selfishness, complacency, apathy, and dependence. But thankfully, the intensity and frequency at which we remain in these stages will vary across lifetimes and therefore cannot be experienced all at once on a national level. In his final speech as president, Reagan described a bit of his personal journey and what was needed for the truth to prevail in America. Take a listen and see if it doesn't capture what we're talking about here. 
When you've got to the point where you can celebrate the anniversaries of your 39th birthday, you can sit back sometimes, review your life, and see it flowing before you. For me, there was a fork in the river, and it was right in the middle of my life. I never meant to go into politics. It wasn't my intention when I was young. But I was raised to believe you had to pay your way for the blessings bestowed on you. I was happy with my career in the entertainment world, but I ultimately went into politics because I wanted to protect something precious. Ours was the first revolution in the history of mankind that truly reversed the course of government and with three little words, we the people. We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We the people are the driver. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go and by what route and how fast. Almost all the world's constitutions are documents in which governments tell the people what their privileges are. Our constitution is a document in which we the people tell the government what it is allowed to do. We the people are free. But back in the 1960s when I began, it seemed to me that we'd begun reversing the order of things. That through more and more rules and regulations and confiscatory taxes, the government was taking more of our money, more of our options, and more of our freedom. I went into politics in part to put up my hand and say, stop. I was a citizen politician, and it seemed the right thing for a citizen to do. And I hope we have once again reminded people that man is not free unless government is limited. There's a clear cause and effect here that is as neat and predictable as a law of physics. As government expands, liberty contracts. An informed patriotism is what we want. And are we doing a good enough job teaching our children what America is and what she represents in the long history of the world? We've got to do a better job of getting across that America is freedom. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise, and freedom is special and rare. It's fragile. It needs production. And let me offer lesson number one about America. All great change in America begins at the dinner table. So tomorrow night in the kitchen, I hope the talking begins. And children, if your parents haven't been teaching you what it means to be an American, let them know and nail them on it. That would be a very American thing to do. Exactly right. All great change must first take root in the individual and the family. We must first effectively lead ourselves before we can lead others. 33 years after Reagan's speech, the next generation is doing just that. They are searching their own hearts. They are having discussions with their children. They are homeschooling. They are running for office. They are participating in their political party. They are wrestling with and prevailing over the human condition. By God's grace, the light of truth will once again burn brighter in America than it has before. Thank you for joining me. I would love to hear from you. Please submit comments or questions through my website, carmelasilliberti.com, or call me at 302-584-3594. Want to help build the constitutional conservative movement in Chester County and beyond? Then subscribe to my podcast. It's free, and subscriptions help us get the word out. Thanks again. Thanks again.